Wanna know what it really takes to build a thriving, profitable business from the ground up? Hey, I'm your host, Cody Birch, and this is the Cody Builds a Business Podcast, your unfiltered front row seat to watching me build a seven-figure online business from scratch or die trying. Let's get started. Hey, welcome to Sunday Conversation number four. I've got a repeat guest today. He was on episode 17, I think, 17 or 18. His name's Adam Earhart, and his website is adamearhart.com. I met Adam at an event about a year ago, and it was actually kind of a funny story we unpack on the previous interview. So if you want to hear what that uh, what that was like uh, when we met and how we met. In short, I was there to help at an event. Uh, he was there attending an event. And the person I was there to help at the event couldn't make it through customs and didn't show up at the event. So I had to actually run it. And then Adam and I hit it off and have been in touch ever since then. So I think you'll notice as I bring you these new interviews, some of these people are people I've met at events. Some of them are people I've met on the internet. And then there's people like Adam who I've known for quite a while. And I think that is apparent as we as you hear the interview view as well that um, Adam and I have, have quite a history. So we have a similar skill set. He's somebody I really admire. Uh, and he's just super smart marketer guy. And we have a great conversation mainly about content marketing. I was talking about how I had launched CodyBirch.com and wasn't sure what to do with content marketing. So if you are curious how to get yourself seen by more people, how to create more content, uh, we cover all those types of things. Uh, on the show. A couple of the other highlights, uh, Adam reminded me that those that mind don't matter and those that uh, matter, don't mind. So listen for that little nugget he drops towards the end. We talk about the expert's curse, how to get started with content strategy, and also what is what he considers king when it comes to putting out content. Like is content king? Is it something else? I'll give you a hint. It's something else. And you got to listen to figure out what that is. And also why courage is so important as you start to put yourself out there with your marketing strategies and creating something that you wish to serve the world. So I don't want to hold you up any longer. Please enjoy this chat with my friend, Adam Earhart. All right, we now welcome back to the podcast, my first uh, repeat guest, my first international repeat guest, my friend, Adam Earhart. Adam, how's it going, man? Oh, it is going so good, Cody. It is an honor and a privilege to be back here with you. Yeah, thanks. So you're on episode 18, which I'm sure you uh, have not forgotten about since you're on episode 18 of the show, and, and now you're back. So thanks again for coming back to talk uh, a lot of things today, but I really want to talk about content marketing. So let me set you up with this, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. This is selfish, which will serve me and then also the audience as well. That's why I like doing a show, because this is my show. I can talk about whatever I want to whoever I want. And yeah. so uh, a lot of people, they want to become better known. They want to build a personal brand. And what that has looked like for me is I secured the domain CodyBirch.com, which I think this is the first time I've ever mentioned it publicly, but I own the domain CodyBirch.com, had a guy build out a great website, and then had a person on my team start to port over some of the content from my last website and also some of the emails that I wrote. And it hit me. I'm making content regularly, mainly via the podcast, and then see, via some emails. And so now I have these thoughts that I've had and have synthesized and written about and communicated, and I'm doing nothing with them. They're just living in the scent box and Infusionsoft from July or whatever. So it hit me like, I'm going to put these out there. So now here's what I have. I have, uh, maybe people listening can relate to this, but I have 30 or 40 blog posts on my site and no idea what to do with it so that people can start to consume it and interact with it. And and I wanted to get your thoughts on that. What do I do with that? Or what are people that have the content and the thoughts and the YouTube videos and the podcasts and stuff? How do we get more people to see it? Right on, right on. So that's, that's essentially a traffic question more than a content marketing question, right? Because the reality is, is that when most people think about content marketing, they're normally starting quite a few steps back from what you even mentioned. They're thinking, wow, I heard that I need a YouTube channel, or I heard that I should start a podcast, or I heard that I should blog. So most people, when they're talking about it, they have no idea about what to create. So basically when we're talking about content marketing, we're talking about the actual content creation 
and then content distribution and or promotion. So there's like two sides of the thing. So you're looking at the promotion and distribution side, whereas most people will be looking at the creation. And in fact, depending on the type of content, we'd almost want to kind of start there and start at the very beginning of like, all right, cool. Let's be strategic about this. What kind of content are we creating? Who's it for? What's the messages uh, that we're trying to resolve? Or what kind of content are we trying to create? Educational, entertaining? Are we just giving away value? Does it have a purpose? Are we including calls to action? All that type of thing. Then we've got to figure out, all right, where are we going to put this? So you mentioned the podcast, you mentioned the blog. And so we've really got to be strategic again and figure out, all right, what's the best medium for us to be delivering this message? Is it a podcast? Is it a video? Is it a blog? And we've really got to make sure that all of these things are in perfect alignment. And that's the problem is that when most people think about, let's just call it marketing in general, they think of these things as like really siloed, like I'm going to write a blog post or I'm going to make this YouTube video. But the reality is, is for these things to succeed, and it's totally possible, it happens all the time, but it has to be strategic and it has to happen kind of one step after another. So it's like, we're going to start with identifying the target market. We're going to identify their message and their pains and all that. We're going to create a very specific type of content that addresses that in a very specific medium, whether it's text or audio or visual. And then that's when we're going to look at the promotion. We're going to like, all right, cool. Let's circle back. Who are these people that we're creating it for? What type of content is it? All right, now what's the best way to distribute it? So are we going to run some Facebook ads? Are we going to run YouTube ads? Are we going to do outreach or interviews or write a book or whatever it is? So essentially we've got to look at kind of like the full, the full um, spectrum of it. So what should I have done? <laughs> like, should I, <laughs> right. some people, they make, they make pillar content, right? Like, let's say you're in fitness and so you say, well, I know a little bit about exercise physiology. I know about diet and nutrition, and I know about what you should buy at the store to live your healthiest life. So those are kind of my three things. And now I will go forth and make content that fits into those pillars. I didn't kind of do that. Like it's, you know, it's about marketing. It's about business growth. There's some mindset stuff in there about believing in yourself and how to make a decision and how to evaluate a new opportunity. Like there's those types of things that I've made, but going into 2019 with a more dialed in content strategy, uh, what, what should I, what should I do? How do I wrangle at that? Right on. Cool. Well, I think you, like you already suffer kind of from the experts curse where you know a ton about this stuff already. Right. So you mentioned a few things like you've already done a lot of stuff, right? Kind of just intuitively and, and subconsciously. And one of those is identifying those three pillars, right? Like that's a huge one is you've got to figure out what is my business about? What are kind of the three or four or two or depending whatever main topics that I want to talk about that I'm going to be known for that I'm really going to kind of harp on. And then that's when you can start to kind of break it down. So you've already got some content. You've already identified those pillars. So you did things right just because you know your market and you know marketing and you know the business and that. So you've already got good content in these areas. So that part is pretty much checked. You just need to decide, all right, is this the right stuff that I'm producing? How are people reacting to it? Do I need more of it? Uh, and it's, it's really tough to gauge that, especially in the beginning, right? Like people will create their first, I don't know, let's say 10 blog posts. And, uh, and nobody's going to react because we just don't have either the audience or we haven't built up that kind of following yet. And so how do we know if it's good or bad? How are we're not going to get any market feedback? So I've got kind of two opinions on that. One of them is, is you could throw some paid traffic at it and see, uh, but the reality is, is that like all things, it's just going to take some work and it's going to take some time. So we just need to do more of it. And naturally, as long as we're making a concerted effort, our content does become significantly better. There's no way. Oh man, my content back from like, say five years ago, it's laughable. I think I might have like one or two blog posts still kind of floating around, but I, I read them back just for fun. And like, they're so bad. 
I don't even really know what I was saying. It's kind of boring. There's no story. It doesn't really tie anything in. Uh, so it just took thousands and it's kind of probably disconcerting to hear, but it, it took a lot of time and um, an effort to sort of get it to where it was readable. Yeah. So if you're considering starting a content strategy, let's go back to that. Like, let's say it's not me or it's, it's Cody from a, a few years ago. I remember when I started Red Anchor Marketing, I, I literally didn't know what to do. I had no clients. It was February 1st, 2017, my first day in the business. Yeah. Like, well, I guess I'll write a blog post about my opinion on a thing about whatever, I mean, you know what it was. Yeah. And uh, a copywriter friend of mine was like, hey pal, uh, congrats on starting a new thing. Couldn't have but noticed you wrote like five blog posts today and curious what your intention is behind that. Like, why are you doing that? And I was literally like, I don't know. I just thought that's what I should do. Now I wouldn't ever advise myself from the future past or present to do that again or anybody I know, like ideally it would have a purpose behind it and you would know yeah. why you're doing it. Is it to get more exposure, to build a brand, to get more opt-ins or more traffic or SEO, you know, whatever that is. Um, so now going forth, like if I was just, let's say I was going to start a blog and whatever my niche or expertise was for me, you know, ads and funnels. Yeah. For, sorry. I said blog. I didn't mean to say blog. Let's say I wanted to start putting more content out into the universe. Yeah. What are some considerations I should have before I get started? Right on. Cool. So I think the biggest thing, which is, which is probably going to be sound counterintuitive, especially coming from like a, a marketing guy who just loves strategy and like just beats this thing up all the time. The biggest thing I would say is just write something and post it today. Uh, because, because most people don't and you're going to get stuck and you're going to stop and you're going to second guess yourself. So the biggest thing, whether we're talking a blog or a podcast or a video, get some kind of content out today. doesn't have to be pretty. Maybe think about it real quick, just what you're going to say. But I mean, I'm, I'm talking like a 15 second, 30 second video clip, post on your Facebook wall, like whatever, just, just start doing something uh, immediately because you're going to need to get that consistency up. And the hardest thing is not deciding the strategy. We're going to cover that. We're, we'll make sure you're fully mapped out. The hardest thing is actually sort of getting the courage to put yourself out there thinking that everybody's going to be judging you and, and reading it. And, and here's the good news is that when you're first starting content marketing and you haven't built up an audience, nobody's reading it and nobody's looking at it. And that's not a bad thing. That's a great thing because you get to put out all sorts of stuff and test and write and record and get better. Uh, so the biggest thing, just get something out there. That's number one. Now, once we've got something out there, all right, now let's sit down and let's be strategic about this. And essentially, this is the process that I walk everybody through when we're creating any kind of marketing strategy, and it applies just as well to content marketing. So single most important thing we need to do, we need to identify our ideal target market, who it is that we're trying to serve. It's significantly easier to match a product and a service to a market than it is to try to make your product and service first and then find someone that could benefit from it. So pick the people that you know or that you've served before or from existing clients or whatever it is and really kind of drill down on that ideal customer avatar. The person that loves you, loves what you do, would be willing to tell everyone about you. Once we've got them in mind, we then have to think about, all right, what are they going through in regards to pains, to problems, to dreams, to goals, to desires? I call these miracles and miseries. And we want to really identify what they're going through that we are uniquely positioned to solve. So that's the thing. Like it may be sad that they've got, I don't know, their dog has fleas or um, they, they can't cook a decent chicken casserole or whatever, but we might want to write those down just so we're aware of them. But what we're really digging for here is how we're uniquely positioned to solve their problems. So in regards to say um, fitness again, if, if they're either overweight or underweight or not strong enough or whatever it is, we want to figure out how we're positioned to solve that. And then we start creating messages around that. And that's really going to identify what kind of content we're going to create. So like, let's say that they're, uh, they get tired too easily. They 
don't like eating nothing but salad and dry chicken breast or um, they hate the taste of just plain water. So we're going to create content around, all right, how to make your water taste better, how to flavor chicken, how to um, get more energy, blah, blah, blah. Essentially building those out. Next thing we do is we've got to identify, all right, so where is this ideal target market spending time online? So this is the media section. We've got to identify, and fortunately it's really easy with all the details kind of listed out on the different channels, which demographics are spending time on which channel. Like we know, for example, Pinterest is predominantly women. So if you're trying to go after like uh, uh, mostly men, you may want to avoid Pinterest at least as your kind of like primary channel. Whereas say Facebook, we can pretty much reach everybody. So we've got to really list them all out, figure out where we're going to have the best results with our media. And from there, that's where we start to post a lot of our content. And we have some fallbacks that we go to almost without fail. So Facebook, uh, Instagram, YouTube, and using kind of some form of Google ads, whether it's through um, the search or like you mentioned with SEO, some form of using Google. And so those are the search platforms versus the discovery platforms. But regardless, we're gonna be able to pick at least one of those that's probably gonna get us 80 to 90% of the way there and is probably sufficient. Like the myth that you need to be on all these social media channels and doing all this stuff is, is just that, it's a total myth. Like you've gotta figure out that one real channel where you people are, double down on that, and from there, once you've got that, then you can start to throw gas on the fire and throw some ads at it and some retargeting and things like that. So I'm looking back at some of my content here and wondering how it applies to what you just said. So for example, that I pulled up a random blog post that I'd written, which I think was an email, which was based on a, uh, I heard Elon Musk on a Joe Rogan podcast. And he said that happiness is reality minus expectations. And I thought, huh, I wonder if that's an original thought. I, I don't know. I, I credit Elon or whoever Elon credited to that, hmm. to that quote. So then I thought, well, when else have I had really high expectations that fell short? And when have I had low expectations that were uh, overachieved? So I wrote a, I think it started out as an email. And then I think I did it as a podcast as well. But then I remember I got some advice from a friend who said to go into a high ticket mastermind I had, um, I had joined and I said, Hey, how do I prepare for this? He said, go into it with no expectations, just experience it, let it happen. I thought, well, this thing keeps coming up. So what is it about expectations that can be dangerous? So now we've got something that sounds kind of like a coherent blog post about expectations and how to navigate that. So I sent an email and now it's a blog post on codybirch.com slash the problem with expectations. So I now have this content. So let me back up even then. I could make that a Google document and say, well, now what medium do I want to use to get this to the world? Do I want to use voice or video or audio or you know, what, what I want to use to get this out there? Um, starting with that, I guess, how can I have more people experience this? Because in my head and maybe the fallacy of like what we're all thinking is I could have made this an article on LinkedIn, an article on Medium, on my own blog, on your blog, you know, try to guest blog it somewhere, yeah. make it audio, record a YouTube video, do a Facebook Live about it, make a Snapchat story about it, like, and on and on and on. You're like, wow, that seems like a lot. Now, back to my original why. My why for me right now, I guess, is to grow the listenership of the podcast. So, like, now I want to take these podcast thoughts and get people back into the podcast. Maybe they like this article and they read another article because it's related or whatever. Um, how do I get this in front of more people with a thought like, not this specific example, but like, let's say you have it. And again, if you're listening and you're like, Cody, I don't have a blog. Okay, forget that then. Let's say you wrote some words down on a piece of paper. Like, now you have content. What yeah. do you do with that piece of content? What would you tell somebody evaluating how to get that out to the people, like actual tactics to get it out there? Totally, totally. So first let's take the high level strategy, then we'll dial right into the tactics because they're going to be very specific to the strategy first. So the strategy first is, um, without sounding redundant, is gonna be exactly what we just covered. So number one, who is our ideal target market? Who is this thing written for? Why did we write it? What's the purpose? What are we hoping to get out of it? You mentioned the things there. So fortunately, we've got our market. 
Next, we've got the message. Is this something that they actually care about? Or if not, how can we spin it so at least there's some kind of story or um, tie-in to what we're actually doing? So like, how is this going to drive either listeners to the podcast or clients to the business or whatever it is? We have to make sure that it's relevant and it ties in. We can't just become kind of the New York Times or whatnot and write about all sorts of random stuff or, or we're just going to be, we're going to leave people really confused. Uh, once that's done, we've, we've identified our market. We've got the message really dialed in. We're looking at our media choices and you mentioned like half a dozen there, right? And we do not need to use them all. But the question is, is well, where is our target market spending their time online or offline? But we start with the online, leverage all that first, then we move into offline mediums just because they tend to be a little more expensive and less effective, at least today. So that's going to make it really clear. It might, uh, it might be Facebook, might be Instagram, might be that LinkedIn um, article that you mentioned, uh, Snapchat, sorry, like whatever it is, it's, it's going to be one of those. And it's going to be very easy to identify based on the demographics of our uh, of our key target audience. Gotcha. So, so hypothetically, hypothetically, so we can get tactical. Uh, let's just say we've identified it as like a, um, a male entrepreneur between the ages of, I don't know, let's say 30 and 45. Um, and we'll just leave it there. That's good enough. Okay. So, so now that we've got this guy in mind, we're going to use Facebook and we're going to use say a LinkedIn article. Now we've already got the content posted. So what we probably want to do is we want to obviously format it a little bit so that it looks native on both platforms. We can't just copy and paste. There's a few tweaks that need to be made. We're going to get that out on Facebook. Maybe we'll write a little bit and put it on our personal wall. Maybe we'll put it on our business page and maybe we'll put some money behind it and target people that like our page and their friends just so we kind of build up a bit of social proof to it. So that's one aspect. We've kind of got that thing out. Next, what I think Warren's doing is, is talking through those points on a video. Either you go face to camera, you build out kind of a PowerPoint slide or whatever, but you add some kind of visual representation of the content. Even if it's selfie holding the phone, hey, I had this thought about expectations and here's how this all plays out. This can now be embedded into the actual ad itself as a video, or it could be part of the post, or it could be just a standalone video. Uh, that video can then be put onto YouTube just as it is and then embedded on your website as, uh, as basically just sort of like filler, uh, which kind of enriches the, the actual article itself. Uh, you could do the same thing then when you take it over to LinkedIn, format it a little bit, put the same content on LinkedIn, maybe embed that video, uh, and then always be driving traffic probably back to the same place, which would be either a call to action that the article or the content mentions and or the actual physical primary blog post itself. So I have a belief that no matter what kind of content you create, uh, as long as it's like what we'll call pillar content, it's not just one or two lines, but it's like a, a fully fleshed out, say, article or whatnot, it needs to go on your website first. So that's like the main spot because all traffic should be leading back to kind of like your primary conversion tool. Hmm. Gotcha. So that, that's good. That's good for me. My, my wheels are turning on what this means to me and how do we make sure that this is valuable for people that aren't, that aren't me with my right. exact set of problems right now. But that's, that's really good stuff To I'm looking through some of this and thinking through it. And here's my advice to uh, people and some of the stuff you've said. Number one, just make a thing, like write it down, send, it, send an email, write a blog post and you're right. Nobody will see it. Like it'll get, you know, 11 hits and it'll be seven of you and two of your mom and two of your wife and Adam will check it out if you ask them to, right? Like it won't be a lot of people that will consume that content, but you start to practice. And I've said this a bunch on my, on my show, whatever type of content or medium you use to promote your ideas and your thoughts is I love how mindful I've gotten of 
that example I just gave, I heard a quote of Elon Musk as kind of a throwaway thing on a three hour interview where they're like smoking weed on Joe Rogan's show and thought that's a really interesting idea. And then I just kind of sit with it, you know, on, at the gym or walking the dog, that thought starts to develop into something that I think might be worth sharing that can serve the people that I seek to serve in, in, in the world that I live in. Right. So it, by disciplining yourself into the practice of capturing those thoughts or Seth Godin talked about uh, collecting the dots and then connecting the dots for people. Like, so start to collect those thoughts and then put it out in whatever you're most comfortable with. And I would say too, like last Sunday's interview or uh, depending on when this airs, uh, Dr. Zeno, the first Sunday conversation I had, he was talking about your vehicle of influence. And to him, he just meant if you love video, then for sure do video. If you hate video, then for sure don't do video. I don't care what people say if video is the future. Like if you're bad at it, there's no, it's miserable to run a miserable race. Like you're just never going to start to magically like that medium if it's just not natural. So acknowledge your content, collect and connect the dots, use the vehicle of influence that makes the most sense to you. And then for me, like now I've done most of that and I feel like I need to make sure I have better calls to action. Uh, Definitely more strategies. I've just kind of gone fast and hard getting a lot of content up, but not as thoughtful as I could have been. Um, And then my last like, go, no, go ahead. Yeah, you brought up a really good point there. So there's two, there's two kind of different ways we could take this content thing. And there's kind of like the beginner way and the advanced way. So let, let's touch on them real quick. I think the beginner way and the best way to get started is you create content and you, you include some kind of call to action for people to learn more somehow. Like as broad and generic as that is, but that, that's the point of the content. You create this content and you include a call to action for people to learn more or check it out or whatever it is. So look back to my website, subscribe to my YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, uh, like the Facebook page, whatever it needs to be, share it with a friend. So that's basically step number one. Now step number two is where you can get a little more aggressive because what you wanna do here is you'll create this content, but based on the platform that you're using, whether we're creating it on Facebook, whether we're putting it on our website, on YouTube, Um, On Instagram, all of these channels have amazing remarketing and retargeting abilities, which means that as long as we can get some kind of traffic to the content, and and we can talk about how to do that in a minute there, but we get this traffic and then we've got them and we can retarget them later with whatever offers we want. So like, let's say we're not really sure what offer we really want to be pushing people to. That's cool. We want to have something in mind. I, I don't believe in creating an audience just for the sake of creating an audience. I think that's, it's too expensive now. It's inefficient. You really want to be driving people towards a strategic destination and having them follow a journey. But if you're not exactly sure of which one's better, or maybe you've got multiple ones or whatnot, that's where retargeting, remarketing, building that audience really comes in because you can always follow up with them later and give them different opportunities to engage with you should they wish to kind of further that relationship. So let's talk about remarketing. I don't know that I've covered that a whole lot on the podcast. For me, what that would mean is somebody consumes content on Facebook. And then since Facebook owns Instagram, you can then show them additional content via an Instagram ad or paid promotion and vice versa. Um, So layman's terms, like real quick for the audience, just taking any kind of traffic, like if they hit my blog post, show them a YouTube video or something like that later via YouTube's paid traffic platform or Google's paid traffic platform or Facebook's traffic platform. They all have a piece of code you put on your website or your properties that you own that then will build an audience of people that engage with the content that you can then show them additional stuff. And you can get really fancy with that and we probably don't have the time to talk about that now. Um, But one of my questions too, Facebook and YouTube, probably in Silicon Valley hate each other. So yeah. how do you leverage uh, remarketing on different platforms? How would you take a YouTube video and maybe build a Facebook audience or Instagram? Uh, and we can maybe skip LinkedIn for now. It's too small of a player, but like, how do you do those? Those are the two big dominant ad platforms. 
Yeah, right on. So, so I call this full spectrum marketing. And essentially what we're doing here is we're drawing from multiple sources. We're drawing from the search platforms of Google and AdWords, and we're drawing from the discovery platforms of predominantly Facebook and Instagram. Now, yeah, you're totally right. They don't want to play nice together. They're multi-billion dollar empires who each want to claim their piece of the advertising pie. That said, it's incredibly easy to kind of like cross pollinate and get people from one to the other. So step number one is identifying our key pillar platform. Like where are we going to be driving most of our traffic? Is it going to be Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Google ads, whatever it is, where are we getting the bulk of our stuff? And then from there, it becomes really easy. We retarget across all of the other players, Google display network, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. And the way we do this is simply by driving traffic to an asset that we own. That's it, which again is why I'm so keen uh, and I'm super stoked that you, you've got that CodyBirch.com now because that's where we want to be sending people. We want them there to check out the podcast. We want them there to look at the podcast notes. We want them there to read your blog posts or your emails if you're repurposing them or syndicating them. Uh, we want them there maybe to watch the YouTube video. Hopefully we get them over to YouTube because there's some benefits of, of having traffic watch it on the platform too. But there's like, that's where we want to be sending traffic because then we've got those little remarketing, retargeting pixels, depending whichever terminology you use, each one comes from the different business there. Uh, and that way we can start to build up that list, including the email list, because both of them allow you to upload custom lists. So YouTube and Google ads, for example, you can upload your email list and create an audience. And then on Facebook and Instagram, you can upload your email list and create audiences. Both of them allow you to create lookalike audiences, which means you can go out there and find people who look just like your ideal customers or people who've engaged with your content. And then really, you're just sending people back and forth, juggling them all over for whatever suits your needs. So remember, these are just tools that you can use. And if they disappeared tomorrow, which is a common question I get, Adam, what would you do if YouTube disappeared or Facebook disappeared, whatever it is, wouldn't bother me in the least. Uh, I would just find the next platform. People are going to congregate somewhere. There's lots of money to be made in this advertising game. So we would just find the next platform where people are using and for sure they're going to have a retargeting pixel and we're going to be able to drive traffic and then control it and basically shepherd it wherever we need it to go. Yeah. And what you touched on a thing that I do think is important. I think a lot of people, there's a lot of armchair quarterbacking, like armchair entrepreneurs that uh, like to cast judgment on, I don't know, like, e like emails dead. Like I write email addresses. It's all about the pixel and pixel traffic and stuff like that. And yeah, sure. Maybe you're probably that that's true, but <laughs> like pixel traffic is important, but email is, is media that you own. Like yeah. uh, government's not going to take your email address unless you're doing something particularly nefarious with your email list, but it's your own stuff. It's your own people. Like Facebook will change the algorithm and YouTube will change the algorithm and Pinterest will do whatever Pinterest does but the email list is super important uh, would you agree I mean that's media that you own not media but it's contact and data that you own regardless of whatever the platforms decide to do yeah 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 so here's here's my view on that because we've I mean for starters we've heard emails dead for I don't know like five years now or something something ridiculous like they probably said it like email came out in the next day some dude's like emails dead yeah. uh, so we're gonna hear this forever now the reality is is that email is definitely uh, decreasing we, we've seen that um, open rates are down, email inboxes flooding, people are switching over to Facebook messengers and things like that. So for sure, it's, it's losing its um, like massive punch. But in the same way, Facebook ads, the same thing's been said about Facebook ads, right? Like we used to get like those penny clicks and 10 cent clicks. And now we're at like a buck or two or whatever, depending on the offer. Yeah. So things are going to continue to become more competitive because they're effective. So that said, email's not dead. Uh, it's amazing. It's an incredible tool. It's still like the number one way most people communicate, um, especially if they're writing that type of 
uh, like corporate or business type of thing. It's like we, we tend not to send that in, in as much of a text, especially if we need context and a little more content around it. Uh, but I think you need to own as many assets as you can. In fact, if you want to get really advanced, I've actually got a direct mail list of my uh, clients and of my students and of my customers. And my direct mail list, that's worth more to me than, than my email list and my pixel traffic and all of that because this is an actual physical, tangible piece of thing that I can send someone a package in the mail. I can say thank you. I can send them a letter, whatever it is. But I want all of it. Uh, and and not, in a, not in a greedy sense, but I just want it for safety. So I've got their their home address that I can send them things to, their office address, I've got their email list, I've got their pixel traffic, I've got them as subscribers on YouTube, I've got them liking the Facebook page. And really the only reason I want this is because it gives me more opportunity to give them more value. And when I give them more value, I establish more trust. And when you establish more trust, you essentially cement your position as an authority in your industry. Yeah, and, and even to expand on that a bit more, I, I didn't even mean sending emails. Yes, sending emails are down. I'm watching that happen in my own email account. Like people that are opening less emails, no matter how sexy or curious or amazing mm -hmm. of a title I do and the content's amazing, which is part of why is like my open rates, whatever, 20%. I'm gonna take that email, which I put time and effort into and I wasn't just sending a random email and I almost never make a, a pitch to my email uh, audience, but I'm gonna put that as a blog post. But just the fact of owning that list, owning that Excel spreadsheet, that CSV file of your, you said direct mail too in your email list, that is yours and people can't take it away, which just yeah. means whatever type of medium you're, you're picking, video or audio or whatever, have very seamless, um, invitations to join your email list, to become a subscriber, to send them an additional free gift via that. And you don't have to worry about Facebook Messenger getting blackballed because of Cambridge Analytica or whatever. Like there's stuff that happens. It's crazy. And you watch people kind of freak out and it's, I don't know, I find it mildly humorous to watch people freak out because they haven't put the right things in place to be ready for whatever happens. There'll be a new platform. Facebook may fall someday and there'll be the next thing though that'll function the same way of just different or better that way too. Yeah. So get, get yeah. opt-ins, like grow the email list, regardless of your medium. Totally. hundred percent. You want, you want to grow all of those that, especially that you control. Uh, we do not own Facebook. We do not own Instagram or YouTube or whatever. We're definitely going to use them and leverage them. Uh, and we have, we have to be respectful of our clients and our audience and our customers preferred content choices. Like we have to go where they are, which is the reason that we've identified kind of the market and the message and the media and, and gone through that matching. Um, but yeah, you want to, you want to own those assets because we never know. Like, I forget who to attribute the quote to, but they said one is the most dangerous number. Um, and it's absolutely true. It's like, if you're using one lead gen channel, which I admittedly, I did this for years. Uh, we, we focused almost exclusively when we first started the agency years and years ago on like SEO. And then we watched the algorithms just get, just wallop. We watched Penguin and Panda and Hummingbird and just our rankings would fluctuate and we'd have nonstop panic calls and we we're trying to game them. So then we switched to Facebook and we, we rode that pony uh, as long as we could. And then I think it was around probably a year or two ago, uh, we started to diversify just a little bit with our traffic platforms. And then in the last probably, I'd say like eight months, we've, that's basically the only way that I'm going to play the game anymore with any of my clients. I'd never advise we're going all in on Facebook and we're ignoring everything else because we just don't know. We don't want to have one traffic platform where all our leads are coming in. And this is actually what we normally see with businesses where they've got mo no marketing system and they're relying solely on like referrals. Yeah. Uh, well, what happens when the referrals dry up or the network that you're in leaves or the mastermind finds someone else or whatever it is, like it's just, you don't have control and whoa, 
that's a, that's a sick feeling. Yeah. So related to this, talk about, I liked how you called it the full spectrum marketing, which that the phrasing of that really resonates with me because I do feel like, I mean, for me, I just do, I just do Facebook ads. I use Facebook ads for myself. I use Facebook ads for my clients and I don't know a ton about the other ad platforms. And, but I do recommend that the people that I do work with at a really high level, my private clients, I do recommend they get something figured out with SEO or with YouTube or AdWords or those platforms. I just can't help them and don't want to try to be all things to all people, but I do think they should have it. Um, so talk about a little bit about what the matrix is. We were talking about that before the call, but the matrix automatic customer solution, I got the website pulled up here. Talk about that for a few minutes. Yeah, you betcha. So essentially what we do inside the matrix, which is, which is basically a lead gen program. It's to designed to help you get more customers sustainably and as simply as possible and in a scalable and strategic way so that we're not just kind of basically everything that we talked about, finding that ideal target market, figuring out their messaging, where we're going to track and locate them online, and then how we're going to distribute our content and our offers and our messaging. So what happens when we're talking about full spectrum marketing, and this, this comes in in the matrix section of the program, is that we're typically looking at two different ways to generate traffic. We've got our search people, which are like Google and YouTube and anything that acts as a search engine. So this is where people show up with purchase intent or some kind of intent. They're looking for a solution to their problem. So we need to be leveraging this. Now, what, what ratio we're gonna leverage it for, really dependent on the business and the market. Maybe it's a small part, maybe it's all of it. The second side is that discovery platform. This is things like um, Facebook, Instagram, places where people don't go in actively searching, like how do I do this or where do I find this or who can help me with this, but we can target them so incredibly well that we're normally able to, to really pin down, all right, who are we trying to get in front of and then put compelling messages in front of our ideal target market that would get them to act. And that's where we've had so much success, right? This is, this is what we've seen. This is what we basically focused on for so many years was just this discovery side because it works so well. But the magic happens when we combine the two. And it's almost like a Venn diagram where we get this overlap and this middle spot between search and between discovery, we have full spectrum marketing. And this is where we're essentially multiplying our customers. We're, we're leaving no stone unturned. We're making sure that people that are out there actively looking for a solution or actively looking for some kind of help, we're able to provide it for them. And then we're also able to educate and to inform and to build relationships and trust with the people who may not be actively searching, but would definitely be open to the type of offer that we're providing. And that's really where the magic comes in. And then of course, we can get fancier and we use all sorts of different retargeting and show up everywhere and across all the different networks where they are, but really it comes down to identifying, is it gonna be search, is it gonna be discovery, and then what unique combination. And that's what we've really gotta figure out on a case-by-case -case basis. Who is that for? I mean, people listening now, that it's obvious you know your stuff, you've been doing this for a long time, uh, you're great at getting leads, you're great at using different platforms to convert that traffic, you've got a ton of killer content marketing strategies. I'll link up the, uh, all this stuff we're talking about, the matrix, I'll put that stuff in the show notes, people can go check that out. But if people are thinking that, like, well, that sounds kind of cool, I'd like to learn more, who, who is that for? Like, who's an ideal person that would have an, uh, a matrix-shaped hole in their, in their business? Right, a matrix-shaped hole, that's a very intangible, intangible shape. But uh, essentially, what the, who this works best for is like a service provider. So some kind of expert or coach or consultant or someone that's providing a high level service. We've worked with a lot of service professionals, whether it's doctors, dentists, lawyers, whatever it is, but someone without like a physical product. And the reason this works so well is typically we've got a higher lifetime value for the customer, which means that it doesn't make sense to let them slip through the cracks. 
like if we're just selling them something for a dollar or two and then letting them go on their way, this is, this is probably not the system. So it's not great for e-commerce. It's not good for MLM. It's not good for any of those kind of lower ticket offers. But if you're selling something that's of value, that's helping people, that's a service type of thing. Yeah. It's pretty much the perfect fit. Awesome. Yeah. I'll put the links in the notes again. If people want to learn more, they can go check that out. There's a great video on here and more content and more like an application process to learn more about and see if it's a good fit for you. And I'm sure Adam would be uh, more than happy to chat about that. So wrapping up, uh, going into 2019 at the time of this recording, I have been really, it's been heavy on my mind looking back at the year, what worked, what didn't work. In fact, we, you and I met about a year ago and if people want those details of kind of our origin story together. It's uh, back on episode 18. Um, but just thinking back on the year, it's that time of year, right? It's kind of winding down. The email inbox is less full and client projects are kind of winding down and school is kind of winding down for our kids and things like that. Uh, I was just really mindful of what was working this year and what, and what wasn't working. So curious if you had any big takeaways of your year, anything that really stood out that you tried this year that was a big success. Uh, and then the two-part question, the opposite. Like what did you try this year or did you fling out there? This, this podcast being around like, watching me build this business, but also people that are also building stuff. They can maybe learn from our mistakes and the money that I've wasted and spent and the investments that I've made that have gone bad and, and then the ones that have gone good as well. So what were some of the big takeaways for you for 2018? Right on, right on. So yeah, 2018 was a great year, right? It was just really interesting to watch so much change again. Uh, there was just so much change. Like there always is, like there was in 2017 and 2016 and 2015, things are changing so fast. And I think what I found the most interesting was watching so much doom and gloom come up about say Facebook ads and Instagram ads and, and Google ads, like just so many people and email being dead, just so much doom and gloom. Everyone's like, no, that's all dead. But my crazy, unique, weird thing that I'm doing is amazing and give me all this money and I'll teach it to you. It was, it was, it was crazy, right? So we saw a lot of these kind of weird overnight gurus come out of the woodwork and, um, and start pitching all sorts of weird things that, that may or may not work and most of them won't and some may, may um, be resilient. But the reality is, is that like really structured fundamental principles, like old school stuff, old school copywriting, old school direct marketing, uh, like really value-based service, putting 100% uh, focus on the client and the person that you're serving. I mean, that stuff is just dominating. And what we've seen is that like in our friend circle, right? We, we know the guys and the girls that are really ethical, really authentic, and they're continuing to crush it. And they're going to in 2019, 2020, 2021, and, and basically forever. And then we're watching all these other people kind of come up and, and put a bunch of kind of like flash in the pan tactics and a lot of really garbage and really not caring. Like, you know, you can tell when someone cares and when they don't. And I mean, it comes through in your marketing. And so we're seeing this and they're, they're coming in and then they're just getting washed out. So that has been interesting to see. I think for me personally, what's worked well is that this has been a really cool year of, um, of restructuring. Like, I mean, I hired, uh, it's funny, you mentioned spending a ton, right? On like personal development, which is, uh, that's going to be my new standard of, of the minimum spend required to achieve results. So next year is going to be big. But um, the reality is, is that there was a ton of investment in like getting the right coaches, getting the right mentors and spending a lot of time really mapping things out. Like I've got a whiteboard behind me that probably went through hundreds of iterations of different strategies and trying to mine all of the experience that, that we've built up over the years, not just mine, but like yours and, and other colleagues that we have in the space and figuring out what works, what doesn't work. Why does it work? How do we leverage this? How do we position ourselves and our clients for the best possible way of success 
And, uh, and I, I'll admit it was not a fun process. A lot of days, cause it was, it was frustrating. I mean, especially when you finally think you've got like the perfect thing. And then you hear that, that new YouTube video or then someone's claiming some crazy thing worked and got like a million percent ROI. And you and I know it's garbage, but for a second you get tugged in that direction. We're like, man, maybe. Uh, so it was really tough to kind of like ignore the shiny objects and, uh, and really drill down on the fundamentals. And that, yeah, that really provided a significant, significant benefit for basically everyone that's kind of um, working on this stuff right now. Yeah, one thing, this keeps coming up with different people I've interviewed throughout the year and my own personal growth is the, I was going to say the rise of authenticity. And um, I don't, I don't know if it's the rise of authenticity or the, the resurgence or the rebirth, but I remember back in the day when I first got into digital marketing about 2010, 2011, there was a lot of, well, what should I say? Well, you should never yeah. say this, but you should always say this. And then leverage these different emotions that they might feel in the email copy and give them a a fear section, a logic section, and then a, a gain section, and then have the gauntlet series, and then the are you mad at me email, and then there's just this way to do it. You're like, well, gosh, I don't want to mess anything up. It seems so complicated. And then now, what I've seen work best for me and for, it seems like with you and people that we know, is well, what if we were just ourselves? Like, what if we were more transparent and more authentic and we didn't put so much pressure on ourselves? And I remember my wife was on this podcast and she was like, well, what should I say? It's like, just say whatever you want to say, because that's what this is about. There's no right or wrong thing to say. Try not to swear and don't say um a whole lot and then just be yourself. Like that's how you make a podcast. And yeah. to me that puts, takes all the pressure off of, well, what should I do? And how do I show up on a YouTube video? And yes, there's little things like make sure the lighting's okay and make sure you don't have a big piece of spinach in your teeth. Like those things, <laughs> like, yes, sure. But as far as what you say, when you say it, how you say it, just seems like the people that are being real and authentic have a deeper connection faster and tend to make more money as well. Yeah. So, so what you mentioned there is, is perfect, right? Like the, what you say and how you say it and where you say it, that's tactics. That's all tactics. That's like, yeah. we can, we can structure it and frame it and, and have little hooks and give them the tease and all that. All of that can and, and probably does to some extent help, but is so, so minor when compared to the overall strategy of basically authenticity. And, um, and I've got a couple different views on authenticity. Number one, is the sort of the, the generally accepted view of like, yeah, be yourself, say what you got to say, just be natural. Um, the flip side of that is that what I think is almost more important is being authentic, being authentic to your clients and to those you serve. Because there's a lot of days where I show up at the office and I might be tired. I might have just put in this crazy long day yesterday. Uh, kids could have been yelling before I left the house. It could just be like just chaos. And what's authentic to me that day is just to be like, Bleh forget it. I'm tired. I'm like, let's just coast it. But the reality is, is like, nope, you got to be a professional. So the way that I like to look at it is being sort of authentically professional and, uh, and serving in the best way that you can for those that you've been given the opportunity to serve. And, and really that's what this is about. Like this, you getting to do this and me getting to be here as a guest, like this is a crazy, crazy opportunity where we get to, to chat and to share and to help and, uh, and to inspire hopefully and to motivate and to give people some tactics and strategies It'll hopefully have a really profound impact. And I think, I don't know, I'm just, I'm really humbled at this opportunity to sort of have this impact. It's, it's not never something I've had before I got involved into, uh, into basically the marketing world. And uh, yeah, if you have that opportunity to shed your, sort of share your message, you, yeah, you got to really capitalize on it. Yeah, two, two thoughts there. Uh, I was, <laughs> to authenticity, I, my wife was out of town last week, so we ordered pizza and it was snowing and I made some poor guy drive through the snow to bring pizza to my children. And he approached the house and I walked outside and I said, hey, how's it going? Assuming he would say the nice, polite thing of like, yeah, I'm fine, how are you? And he was like, oh, 
not so good actually. And I was like, all right, what's, uh, what's going on? I said, it was snowing. Like, I know what's going on. Like yeah. you're delivering pizza for $5 an hour in the snow. I know what's happening. He's like, yeah, the, the weather is bad and just people, man. And I was like, all right. And then he, he gave me the pizza and I went inside. I gave him a really nice tip and then told my kids about it. It's like, Hey guys, like there's a way that we can maybe try to like what I should. And I was giving him no tip because he was kind of a jerk and he was kind of late and he was right. rude, but I gave him a bigger tip because that's what I think would be more interesting. But anyways, he, he in that moment was very authentic. Like I'm, yeah. I'm sad and depressed right now. And so I spit in your pizza. Like, well, I'd rather not know <laughs> how authentic you were in that moment. And Seth Godin <laughs> talks about that. I forget how he phrases it kind of like you, but he's like, that's, it's amateur hour to say like, I'm stressed out about my kids. And when you yeah. present that to clients, like there's a decorum that you have, obviously, in, in that I was just thinking about how we can show up when we make content and show up in the world and see people at events and conferences and like, well, you know, the myth of there's a way to play it. There's a magical phrase that will unlock all the opportunities. And if you say it at the exact moment, then you, yeah. all your dreams will come true. That's not the case. And so the, to the people that keep showing up and keep serving people with their message and their passion, it has, I've seen it go better for those people. I've seen it go better for me when I, when I show up that way. And if I'm having a super bad day, I, I don't tell my clients that, but um, yeah. it's, it's an interesting thing you said to be authentically, or what'd you say? Uh, uh, be, be authentically professional or professionally yes, yes, yes. authentic or whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever combination suits you. I've got, I've got written on my bathroom mirror in my office. Uh, and this is a quote, I, I wish I could, man, I'm terrible with attributing uh, quotes. So I'm not even gonna say who I heard it from, but uh, it says it's showtime. And the reality is, is, is the story behind it is essentially is like if you're showing up as an actor or you're showing up to get on stage or whatever it is, it, it doesn't matter um, the fight you just had with your spouse or the fact that your kids are being crazy or the fact that, I don't know, someone ran into your car in the parking lot. Like, it doesn't matter. It's showtime. You have an opportunity to serve. And I think if you can keep that in mind, it makes it a lot easier to, to, to kind of bring this full circle, to create that content. To put yourself out there because you know what it's it's showtime uh we signed up for a really tough gig here being entrepreneurs and and doing this marketing thing this is not for the faint of heart so um we can hide and cower and, and spit in some dude's pizza just because it's snowy or uh, or we can kind of like um toughen up a bit and really it, it's showtime and that means putting on the best face that we can it doesn't mean that we hide it doesn't mean that we lie it doesn't mean that we write in our emails today was a great day and everything's fine you can be like whoa just had a crazy fight and my kids are nuts, but you know what? Hey, that's life, that's business. All right, let's get down to it. Here's how you generate leads. Here's how you do this, like whatever it is. So there's, there's a balance that needs to be reached. Uh, there's definitely a thing is sharing too much information, which I've seen and, and I'm uh, not a big fan of. I think it's, it's hurting a lot of businesses, but you can definitely be yourself, uh, whatever that is to you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that sounds like a good place to wrap up this interview. I've got four or five notes to get to my web guy instantly on my blog. I need a better call to action. I need to categorize my posts a little bit more intentionally to say, Hey, if you like this, you might also like this and then keep people on my website more and spool up that traffic. And then the last thing is I've got a ring light right over my monitor. I'm looking at right now. That's not even plugged in and I need to go plug it in and I might do a uh, Facebook live or do a video today about the podcast that dropped today just to get that out there and just to say that I did. So um, thanks for the encouragement. Thanks for the practical tips and the high level stuff. I'll link up everything in the show notes. Um, anything else you wanted to mention before we stop? That's everything. No, I think if I could, if I could leave people with one thing, it'd be definitely to, um, to get that push and put that stuff out there. Um, those, those that mind don't matter is basically it. Like those that are going to give you slack and write the negative things on your Facebook ads, they're not your people. Uh, so, so do it for your people because they need to hear from you and they need the value that you have to offer them. 
Awesome. Adam Earhart, ladies and gentlemen, round two. Thank you so much, Adam, for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you, man. Oh, my pleasure, my friend. So stoked to be here. All right. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that chat with Adam Earhart. It's his uh, second time on the show, as I mentioned a few times, and just a good, a good guy, smart marketer, great family man, and uh, and somebody I consider a friend since I met him about a year ago. And uh, really glad I could bring another great conversation to you. Be sure to tune in this week for more fresh, new solo episodes of the Cody Builds a Business podcast. And then next Sunday, we'll release another Sunday conversation. Thanks. Bye.